0: The reading tonight is from Numbers 22, chapters 22 through 35. God's anger was kindled because he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the road as his adversary. Now he was riding the donkey, and his two servants were with him. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road, with his sword drawn in his hand. So the donkey turned off the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn it back into the road. When the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow pathway between the vineyards, with the wall on either side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it scraped against the wall and scraped Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck it again. When the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in the narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left, When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. When the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me. I wish I had my sword in my hand. I would kill you right now but the donkey said to Balaam i am not your donkey which i have rid- am i not your donkey which i have ridden all which you have ridden all your life to this day have i been in the habit of threatening your way and he said no when the lord opened the eyes of balaam he saw the angel of the lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand and he bowed down, falling on his face. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? I have come out, to the, I have come out as an adversary, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned away, from the, turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let it live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now therefore, if it is displeasing to you, I will return home. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you to speak. So Balaam went on with the officials from Balak. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Um, um, I have to admit that this story today is kind of a deep cut. A deep cut from a record I'm not that familiar with? Numbers? Numbers. The Book of Numbers. I will admit to not having done a lot of work in the Book of Numbers. I mean, I would like to think that I've read the entire Book of Numbers, given that I am a biblical interpreter for the everyman, a writer of books based on unexpected insights into the biblical text. I would like to think that uh, certainly I would have read through the book of Numbers in one of my several commitments to read through the Bible in a year. But unfortunately, uh, the book of Numbers comes after the book of Leviticus. And it's very hard to get through the book of Leviticus. I mean, really hard. It's just a book full of Levitical laws. And then so even when you think, oh, I'll skip ahead, and you see that the next book is Numbers, it's called Numbers. I mean, hey, look, I'm dyslexic, you know? How am I going to get through a whole book of Numbers? I don't understand any of it. But let me tell you that I have recently found out in my study for today that the book of Numbers has a lot of words in it. A lot of words in it, a lot of stories. You know, it's like this fourth book of Moses. It's called Numbers because right at the very beginning it says the number of the people. And that's what it gets its name from. They counted the number of the people. So they call it Numbers. And it contains all the, um, everything that, The Hebrews did after the second month of the second year, after coming out of Egypt, and then, like, what happens for the next 39 years while they're roaming around in the wilderness? It's the history of that. So, it's like almost all stories. As most of you, I hope, know that this liturgical year we're preaching on the biblical texts that are most often told as children's Bible stories. We're telling children's Bible stories to adults to, adults, to maybe reconsider the implications of the first interpretations of the Bible that we learned and sort of be in dialogue with the residual of those interpretations. We felt that the interpretive tradition of reframing bib, framing biblical narratives for children has perpetuated some of the worst of American Protestantism's theological impulses. But at the same time, the conviction to teach children the basic stories of our holy book is, well, that's a strength of our people. But the sometimes baffling, sometimes terrifying implications of these paraphrases, well, they can leave a mark. So we chose this story when we were going through and trying to see what stories that we should use in this uh, retelling of children's Bible stories to adults. We chose this story because it it came to mind. It came to mind, and it also represented... um, a place in the chronology that we didn't have a story for so far. Also, I ran across this phrase many times in researching children's Bible stories, that this is one that is always a favorite of children. This is one of the children's, a favorite of children's everywhere. So, and plus I have to admit personally to wanting to select the story because I saw the heading of the story in my NRSV translation of the Bible, that simply said, Balaam and his talking ass. I admit to thinking it would be funny to be able to say, Balaam and his talking ass. Uh, I know it's quite juvenile. I know. It's beyond juvenile, you know. So, but then also, as I sat down with glee to write this sermon about Balaam and his talking ass, Um, Not only did I realize it's kind of juvenile, but beyond juvenile, I learned that that a joke based on a homonym can't really sustain a whole sermon. (laughs) Especially if one hopes to leave the people with some insight or intriguing question to ponder about the mercy of God which might fuel their everyday living in the world over the next six days. So, I will attempt... To refrain from making any innuendo, puns, or straight-out comical references to Balaam's talking ass. But let me just tell you that my instincts that the story was funny are not far off. Because like the rabbis and other interpreters of the Hebrew Bible, they believe that this whole narrative, the Balaam pericope, as they call it, is meant to be a farce, meant to be satirical a satire, and the joke of Balaam's ass, as in donkey, seeing what he, who is a prophet and a seer, does not see, and that donkey speaking, prophesying to the seer, the prophet, that is sort of the central joke of the whole story. So it's just not me. Just to give you a little context for this story, so the... uh, Israelites, they're wandering in the desert, they're traveling around, and they stop and camp across the river from Moab. The king of Moab sees all their tents out there, sees this endless expanse of people who just came and made camp across the river from his kingdom, and he assumes that they are there to attack him, to invade his kingdom, to take his land. So he sends words to Balaam, who appears to be sort of a freelance prophet, a seer, a diviner. And he tells Balaam that he would like to hire him to come and curse the Israelite people so they won't be able to invade his kingdom. Balaam says first he needs to check with the Lord to see if it's okay. The Lord comes to him in the night and says, no, it is not okay. It is not okay to curse the Israelites. So he says he can't do it, and the king's uh, Moab's men, they go back and said he won't do it, and the king says, look, you go and give him anything. Give him as much as he wants, give him a whole castle full of silver and gold, just to tell him, I will give him anything, enrich him, just to come and curse these people to protect my kingdom. So they go back and they say, Balaam, you could have anything, he really, really wants you to do it. Balaam again, once again, says, oh, all right, well, let me ask the Lord if I can do it. The Lord comes to him at night and says, look, look, here's what you can do. You can go, but you cannot curse them. I want you to go, and I want you to say only the things that I say that you can say, Go and say, I can only speak what the Lord tells me to speak. So he tells the emissaries of Moab, okay, I can go. But then something happens in the story, I mean, like actually in the text, that's kind of confusing. After the Lord says he can go, then right after that it says, the Lord became very angry that he was going. And then this is when things, I don't know, get confusing, or this is, I don't know what happened here, um, what, why the Lord changed his mind. I mean, some people kind of say that, well, really, the Lord said you can go, but only say, go and bless my people, don't curse them. But as he's traveling, he gets his ass and rides it, and he begins to think of all that money. He begins to think of all that money, and he thinks, you know what, actually, when I get there, I'm going to curse the people. It doesn't say that anywhere. That's what some people say to explain away this contradiction of why the Lord might now suddenly be angry after he told them that he can go. So the Lord becomes really angry. Balaam is going. And so the Lord sends an angel with a sword and puts it right in the road, right in the middle, right in the middle, so the angel's waving the sword around, except one problem the angel of the Lord with the sword there to stop him is invisible to the seer but his ass can see I guess hindsight is 20, 20. I'm sorry I had to do that, <laughs> I might apologize I won't. <laughs> um, So, the ass won't move because he doesn't want to get killed by the angel with the sword. Um, So, Balaam, he cannot move his ass. He gets off, he beats his ass, and um, he tries to get him to move, but uh, he can't do it. He gets back on, he tries to get him to move again. He can't move his ass, so he gets off and he beats his ass again, and the ass just won't move. He can't move his ass. Again, finally, he won't move. He can't make a move. His ass just sits down on the ground, and he gets off, and he's going to beat him again. And his ass starts talking. His ass says, why are you doing this to me? What have I ever done to you? Haven't I been faithful? Haven't I been a faithful ass all this time? And why would you... Don't you think... There's got to be a good reason why I would be doing this. And so he says, okay, that's, you know, you're right. You're right. Balaam says, you're right. You have been a good and loyal pack animal. Um, and so, at that admission, the angel and the sword with the sword becomes visible and warns Balaam that he should listen to he should have listened to his ass. And because the ass wouldn't move, because there was danger, if he would have moved, the ass would have moved. He would have killed him. So, furthermore, then God tells him, go to Moab, and when you get there, bless Israel. Bless Israel, and so then the story gets kind of complicated because he does go on to the and talks to the king of Moab and the king of Moab is like, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm going to take you up to where you work. We got you set up here, right here in the this temple to Baal up on this hill. So uh, whatever you need for sacrifices, we can help you with that. And then if you'll just go and then start, you can see them down there. You can just curse. All the, all the Hebrews there. And um, so Balaam goes up there. But Balaam doesn't curse Israel. Balaam blesses them. He blesses them and he even goes so far as to uh, predict some bad stuff that's going to happen to anyone that would challenge Israel. And the king of Moab, like, he's confused. He's confused because he's like, well, I set him up here in the temple of our god Baal, and, but it, it's not clear to me who, which god is he appealing to. He just knows things aren't coming off the way he'd hoped. So he asks him to do it a couple more times thinking that his god Baal will come through and clear up any confusion and he can just, that Balaam will just curse them and save his kingdom and uh, he tries it a couple times but he's still confused like about which god Balaam is appealing to. It doesn't seem like his god. So the whole thing, I mean, this is, this is what the whole thing is. It's a satire. It's a satire about polytheism and monotheism, which, of course, I don't need to tell you, the polymonotheistic satires are some of the funniest. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Moabite king is like, Balaam, which god are you appealing to? And Balaam was like, uh, there's just one. (laughs) He says, like, look, if I had a shekel for every time a competing Semite king asked me which god, (laughs) am I right? It's funny stuff. But the children's Bible story versions of the Balaam pericope don't go into all that. Of course, there's there's These children's books versions, they, it's too complicated. And certainly, they say donkey. Of course, all of them do. They refer to Balaam and his talking donkey. The children's Bible story versions, they don't even touch on the whole polytheism question. I know you're thinking, yes, you're right, they are missing out on a lot of satirical material. But these children's funnies, they're not going for funny these children's Bible stories. They're going for a straight-to-the-point moral lesson. And they have a talking animal to work with. I mean, the talking animal, right, has to be the attraction of this story. Because children love talking animals. Everybody loves talking animals, right? And a talking animal, that is, I think is funny. You know, I watch quite a lot of, like, cartoon versions of this story animated children's bible stories and um you know they always had the donkey and the donkey talks he always has this sort of like voice like hey balaam why are you beating me come on balaam that hurts (laughs) which you know i mean a cartoon talking donkey getting beaten in a children's story should be funny But for some reason it never seems to come off that way as I was watching. And plus really the donkey is never really that funny in these animated versions. He's got the funny voice. He's like, Balaam, if you would have obeyed the Lord, you might understand. Balaam, your greed has brought you to this place. The donkey's voice sounds funny, but actually it's it's always kind of condescending and judgy. I mean, he comes off as kind of an ass. (laughs) The children's Bible story version, moral lesson, is usually something along the lines of obey God's instructions. It's clear obey God's instructions. That's what this story is about. Or wicked Balaam was greedy and he didn't obey God. Don't be like that. One's children's Sunday school lesson suggested that Balaam should have frozen in place like the donkey did. Because he could not see the angel, he could not see God's messenger, therefore he could not understand God's message. He could not understand what God wanted him to do. He should have frozen in place until he knew The lesson goes on to say, when you children come across something that you do not understand, you should freeze your mind until God shows you what God wants you to do. If you don't understand something, freeze your mind. This is what we should teach our children. If you don't understand, freeze your mind until God tells you what God wants you to do. How long... Should we tell our children to freeze their minds? How long do they wait before God tells them what God wants them to do? Don't ask questions. Freeze your mind. Don't wrestle with what you don't understand. Freeze your mind. Don't involve yourself with rigorous de- in rigorous debate with other questioners. Freeze your mind, just like the ass did. I mean I don't need to tell you but this is the exact opposite of the words of the great prophet George Clinton as proclaimed by Funkadelic in their second album 1970s free your mind and your ass will follow <laughs> I mean free your mind and your ass will follow this more than 10 minute long funk masterpiece this over 10 minute long feedback drenched Funk Masterpiece, as one, re- uh, one reviewer said, exploring Christian themes in a s- mystical sort of way. This re- goes, reviewer goes on to say that it is not surprising that this has become a cult favorite. Not only is this weird, but the weirdness signifies. The kingdom of heaven is within. Open up your funky minds and you can fly. Free your mind and your ass will follow. The kingdom of heaven is within. Free your mind, yeah, free your mind. The kingdom of heaven is within. It's like nothing you ever saw. Get free. Well, I discovered this life that it was getting to me. It was not really mine until I freed my mind. Free your mind and your ass will follow. For your mind, the kingdom of heaven is within. The kingdom of heaven is within. This goes on and on and on, but you don't even get all of it because you're not getting funkadelic behind what I'm saying. It's just this meditation, beautiful funk meditation, prophecy, proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is within. The kingdom of heaven is within. You want to know something? Free your mind, and your ass will follow. The kingdom of heaven is within. I get so confused about it all. I'm so confused about the whole thing. I don't understand. And when I don't understand, I don't know what I feel. Until I get free. When you don't understand, free your mind, and your ass will follow. They don't want me to be free. They don't want me to see that I can free my mind. Resurrection, free of charge, resurrection, free of charge. I can hear it now. Can you hear me? Free your mind, and your ass will follow i don 't know if it signifies it 's weird. Does it signify? through so this Sunday school lesson, this Sunday school lesson says suggests that you conclude. With this game, that it calls the Freeze Dance. The Freeze Dance it goes like this: so um, this, when you get all the kids and they to dance around to this music, and then when the teacher pushes stop, when the music stops, all the kids freeze. Then they just pushes play again and they dance around. Then the music stops, and all the kids freeze. It says that this will help them to remember that when they don't understand something that they should freeze their mind until God tells them what they should do. I mean, this is the opposite of what George Clinton proclaims. I mean, this is the opposite. This is like, freeze your mind and follow the ass that stopped in the road, clenched tight, constipated, unmoving, not free. The transformative act, image in the Old Testament is God freeing the people. The pinnacle of our faith, the core of our faith, is the transformative event of the resurrection of God in Christ, freeing us from death, freeing us from the power of death, freeing us from the fear of death, freeing us from fear. We don't need to be afraid to free our mind, to think, to move, to do whatever. When the music stops, freeze your mind. But I think that if you listen hard enough, that if you free your mind, you can hear that the music never stops. Free your mind.